As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. There's a million different ways that we undo ourselves. So again, if we don't even know how we're talking to ourselves, then the mind just does what it does. Before we get into today's episode, are you a fix and flipper who needs some money? You need to maybe do more deals and you're limited by the funds you have available. Well then, Fund That Flip, today's best ever sponsor, has a solution for you. And you know Fund That Flip, right? Your loyal best ever listener, the founder, Matt Rodak, he's been on the show multiple times and they have been a previous sponsor and they love working with the best ever listeners and they provide short-term fix and flip loans to experienced investors. They've got an online platform, makes the entire process super easy and you can get funded in as few as seven days. So if you're looking for a reliable funding partner, go to fundthatflip.com and mention that, well, you heard about it on the Best Ever Show. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff because it is Sunday. First off, I hope you're having the best ever weekend. And because it's Sunday, we've got a special segment called Skill Set Sunday where we talk about a specific skill that you can then go apply towards your real estate endeavors And today we're going to be talking about getting mastery under pressure and being able to be at your peak performance so that you achieve an unstoppable mindset. And holy cow, guess what? That's the name of our best ever guest book, Mastery Under Pressure, How to Achieve an Unstoppable Mindset. How are you doing, Tina Greenbaum? Well, how are you today, Joe? I'm doing very well, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. And a little bit about Tina. She is the CEO at Mastery Under Pressure Peak Performance Coaching. She's an executive coach. She's a licensed clinical social worker, an optimal performance specialist, and a dynamic workshop leader. She works with business leaders, athletes, real estate investors, speakers for the last 30 years, and she's based in San Francisco, California. She just released her book, Mastery Under Pressure, How to Achieve an Unstoppable Mindset. You can go check that out in Amazon. And today, well, that's our focus of the conversation. It's going to be on how to, as I mentioned, be a master under pressure and achieve an unstoppable mindset. So with that being said, Tina, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Sure. 
I am a clinical social worker by training. I've lived in six different places and mostly on the East Coast and started over my business six times. So I know a lot about entrepreneurship. I know a lot about taking risks. And I am here in the Bay Area now and working with business professionals, real estate investors, salespeople, anybody who is in business and wants to improve their performance. So it's not like you're just kind of weak and not doing so great, but you're actually doing okay. You just want to do better. So the way that I look at this is every great performer would never go out and perform without knowing these mental skills. And many of us kind of study our subject matter, but we don't really look at what's between the ears, which actually rules everything. I completely agree. And I read a quote last night on some fitness Facebook page, and it said, your mind will quit much sooner than your body. And it's applied not only in fitness, but in everything else. How should we frame our conversation knowing that we want to improve our performance and know the mental skills for doing so? Okay, so uh, you and I talked a little bit about the kind of mindset that you need to have to be a real estate investor. Let's just kind of start with that. And any kind of business that you're going to invest money in, you take a risk. And in order to take a risk, we're now in the unknown. We take what we call calculated risks. We kind of do our homework and put our money where we think that it's going to make money for us. But the truth is, we don't know what's actually going to happen tomorrow. None of us do. So when we get caught up in trying to control the future, we get into trouble. So I have five pieces to my curriculum, I call it. So focus, what do I focus on? We kind of lose focus, we bring it back, we get distracted, we bring it back. So the question is really, what do we focus on? And what happens to us when we lose focus? And how do we even know if we're not paying attention? Mm -hmm. Relaxation. So I'm a mind-body person. And this is something that people don't maybe think is a little woo-woo. We don't talk about it a lot. <laughs> But the truth is, thank goodness that the neuroscience now is starting to validate a lot of the things that seem to have been very mystical. So what I mean by that is that there is a mind and a body connection. And in traditional talk therapy, they would start with the head, sort of the mental part, and then go down into the body and so on. Now they're talking about it from the bottom up. So what does that mean? It means that in order to manage our stress, we have to be able to manage our nervous system. And in order to manage the nervous system, we have to know how to do that. And relaxation techniques, we talk about yoga and we talk about all these things, but I want to bring it down to a very, very practical kind of thing to think about that if you can calm your nervous system down in an instant when you get nervous, if you have practiced how to do that, learning to use the breath, there's a thing called the relaxation response. And it takes practice and repetition, practice and repetition, just like any new skill, but it will be your best friend. Can you elaborate on that? Because that is a skill that would be very helpful to acquire is being able to calm our nervous system in an instant, knowing that the nervous system is directly related to the stress. That's right. And when our nervous system is on overload, we can't think clearly. So if you're in a negotiation and you want to have your best foot forward, you want to be very grounded and you want to know exactly what you're taking and be conscious of what's happening internally. So the breath, 
there's a bunch of different ways that you can practice it. There's things online. I actually have a relaxation tape that I'm creating. But it's basically using the breath. If we think about a yogic breath, they call it a three-part breath. So if you put your hands just down in your belly, just way down in your abdomen, and you breathe in through your nose, and you just allow the belly to fill up, just like it was a bellows. And it's actually counterintuitive because many of us breathe from way up in the upper chest. And when we do that, then our mind, again, is very spinny. So you want to bring the breath. Just put your hands down on your belly. Let the belly expand. And then let all the breath out before you take the next breath in. Let it out through your nose or your mouth? Through your nose. In and out through your nose. Because when you breathe through your nostrils, you get a much finer connection to the brain. And... Over time, you will balance out both sides of the brain. So it's actually a three-part breath. It starts in the belly. And then once you get that, then it's the belly and the rib cage. And then once you get that, it's the belly, the rib cage, and then the upper chest. And then when you let it go, you let the belly go first. And then the rib cage. And then the upper chest. All the breath out before you take the next breath in. Where are your hands in this Okay, so we use our hands just so that you can feel that you're actually opening up this part of the body. So we start out with putting your hands on your belly, first one, then your belly and then your rib cage, and then you take the bottom hand that's on your belly and put it into your upper chest. And I have to sort of indicate that it's not natural for us. Babies breathe like this, and if you actually have to lie on your belly, you're going to have to breathe like this. But we have all kinds of emotion that are in the body, and sometimes we get stuck, and sometimes it's harder to open up one part than another part. It just takes patience and practice. So you could be sitting in a meeting, and nobody would ever know. If you're starting to feel anxious, and you're not sure which way to go and what you want to say, and you just take a moment. Nobody will see it. You don't have to put your hands on your body. You just take a nice deep breath. You let it go, and all of a sudden now your mind is back. Another little tip is to be aware of your feet. Hmm. Really? Because if you do that, you're going to be more grounded. So there's a wonderful little saying that says, your mind is where your breath is. So if your breath is short and shallow, your mind is going to be very spinny. Your energy is going to leave your body and you're not going to be able to find yourself. What should your feet be doing? Just be aware of your feet on the floor. Which leads us into the next piece is really about mindfulness. Again, mindfulness is being thrown around a lot today. It's like, oh my God, everything is mindfulness, mindfulness. I've been doing this for over 30 years because you can't change anything until you're mindful of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. You would no sooner make a real estate deal without doing your homework. Well, it's the same thing. We operate automatic, but there's so much going on. That's so much under the surface that if you become a student of really being curious about your own unconscious material, your own self, what's driving you, what's calling you, what are you scared of? How do I react in a certain situation? What kind of negotiator am I? What is my tolerance for risk? What happens when I feel I'm over the line? I'm risking too much. All these things, you get these amazing indicators once you become connected. A lot of times I know for me, when I feel stressed and I feel like somebody's trying to control me, there's a situation I'm not happy with, it'll go right to my shoulders and my neck. 
So if I'm feeling that tightness of my shoulders and my neck, I start to look around, okay, where am I feeling out of control? Who's pushing my buttons? It's like a shortcut. Mm-hmm. And this stuff is so unbelievably powerful and we don't teach it. So the first thing is focus, what we focus on. The second is relaxation of the mind, being aware of the mind and body connection. And you gave a very practical exercise for us to implement. What's the third? And the third one was mindfulness. Okay. So becoming mindful. Let's just say, again, somebody's presenting something to you. They're presenting a deal to you. And you're interested, but you're noticing that you're really, really anxious because you're aware of what anxiety looks like for you. Not everybody experiences it the same way. When I do workshops and I go around and ask people to think of something that's challenging, some people say it's in their belly, some people say it's in their chest, some people say it in their neck. So it's important for you to become aware of how your body speaks to you. And the only way we can do that is if we sit sometimes quietly, we just notice. Hmm. I notice this makes me really want to jump out of my skin or this feels really good. I'm really excited. And so again, it's a practice. There's mindfulness meditations where you just pay attention to everything that kind of comes into your awareness. So the sounds from outside, my breath, and then there's just mindfulness of just like, I notice how I feel. I'm just noticing the sensations that my body gives me. Because the body speaks in sensations. And then once I learn to sort of identify what those sensations mean to me, then I've got now a new language. So mindfulness is really, really, really important. Make sense to you, Joe? That makes sense. Yeah. You know, I just read 10% Happier by Dan Harris. Have you read that? No, I haven't. But there's a lot of books on happiness these days. Or 10% Happier or something like that. Yeah. And he he talks about his journey towards getting 10% happier and it's what you're describing and it's being aware of your surroundings and being present in the moment and you're being very practical, which I'm very appreciative of because we're going to be able to implement some of this stuff right after this interview. So number three is mindfulness. Then I look at belief systems and how we talk to ourselves, negative self-talk. So to start with, let's just say that the mind by its nature, is always protective. So we're always looking for danger. That's how we're wired. And so what happens a lot of times, we just react. Somebody says something, we get annoyed, we respond back, or the anger just sits underneath the surface and we have this tone of voice. So there's a whole bunch of stuff that's going on. And sometimes we get really annoyed with ourselves. I can't believe I did that. Oh, that was really stupid. Or I don't really have anything to say here. Or There's a million different ways that we undo ourselves. So again, if we don't even know how we're talking to ourselves, then the mind just does what it does. Heard the term monkey mind, jumps all over the place and it's not managed. It's not controlled. So this is an energy thing. Whatever we focus on expands. It's a really important concept. Yep. So if we're kind of going down this road and sort of undoing ourselves and self-sabotaging and not even even being aware that we're doing it, that's what our experience of life is going to be. So if I were to venture to, I didn't read that book on happiness, but it's where we focus, where we put our attention. And so it's very important, number one, to pay attention to how we're thinking 
just kind of tune in during the day. As your day goes on or you're with your family or you're in a business meeting, just notice, how am I talking to myself? Because you've got to be your own best friend. We're working sort of against nature in how to do that. Mm -hmm. So I call it taking a negative statement. And then rather than saying I put it into a positive statement, I like to say, do my thoughts produce something useful for me? So I'll give you an example. Let's just say I want to take something to the post office. It's a Saturday morning. I wrap my package. I go to the post office and I get there and the post office is closed. And I get pissy. I get annoyed with myself. Well, it could actually ruin your day. You know, I can't believe, you know, they were closed and I had this thing and it was really important and so on. And then you'll just go down that kind of really, I call it the downward spiral. Yep. Or you could say to yourself, and this is another important piece, that I take responsibility for my own experience. I'm in charge of what happens to me. I'm in charge of what I create. So the truth is, I didn't look and see what time the post office was closed. Now I know. It's 10 after 12, and they close at 12. And I'm going to produce a thought. Now I know something that I didn't know before. Okay, so next time, I'll just get there earlier. Mm -hmm. And then we're done. It's a simple example, but... You think about it over and over and over again, how many times we get annoyed with situations or people. But if we just kind of flip it around, I'm responsible for my own behavior. How did I create this conversation that went south? What was my part? It's just a a masterful piece of self-acknowledgement that will change your life if you just change. Because people get into trouble because they're very good at blaming other people. If only he would do this, and if only she would do that, and I can't believe they're doing this, and I can't believe they were late. Where's my part? Because that's where your power is. If I can find my own part, I may not be happy with what I've done, but I'm the only one that can change it. So do your thoughts produce something useful for you? Yeah, that's a powerful one. Even as simple as when you ask someone, how are you doing, and they say, not too bad. That drives me crazy because it's like, well, you're doing bad, but you're just not doing too bad. Please elaborate. What's going on in your life? (laughs) But they say it and they don't think about it. But in reality, if they are doing well, then they should be saying, I'm doing well or, hey, I'm having a great day or whatever. And it's just small things like that that might seem insignificant, but they pile on day after day and they lead to other things. As you said, it could influence the rest of your day. That's right. And the rest of your life. Honestly, Joe, if people do not choose to do this work, they'll go out this way. It's work. It's consciousness. It's awareness. It's taking the time. It's being willing to change. Again, you've heard so many sayings, you know, I expect something different. I keep doing the same thing. You know, that's really insanity. And yet we do. We just keep doing the same thing and getting mad at it's not working or this deal didn't work for me or somebody else didn't tell me something and on and on and on and on and on. So this is the stuff that can change your life, your business, your relationships, the way you raise your children, how your children take on the next generation and so on. So that's how important I think this stuff is. (laughs) Yep. I agree. Number five. There's another little piece to the thinking is that we have belief systems underneath our conscious mind and they rule us. So if you look at what's going on in our country in terms of the polarity, in terms of the values that people are holding, 
if they don't get examined, then we're just robots. We just rinse and repeat. So I have a whole thing about belief systems and values and whose are they? Are they mine? Are they my parents? Again, I use a silly example a lot of times about ketchup. My mother thought that Heinz ketchup was the best ketchup in the world. I don't really know if it is, but when I go to the store, I just buy Heinz ketchup. So if I don't examine it and really kind of look, then we're just on automatic. So again, if you're not happy with other people, this is the part of being empathic with yourself and with somebody else. It's like, where do you come from? How do you think the way that you're thinking? And if you can start to practice and really kind of get into people's values and what they think is really important, what you think is important, we can make shifts, dramatic shifts. So that's another part of my bully pulpit, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And the last one is creating powerful visualizations. So let's just imagine, again, that you have this dream about owning property and getting involved. I think you're pretty big in multifamily investments and homes and so on. So let's just imagine that I'm sitting here and this is my vision. I create a vision for myself about the way I want my life to be, where I want to go. Now, I haven't got a clue at this moment, let's just say, how to get there, but I have a vision. So I start to kind of move my life in that way and ask myself, is what I'm doing, is it going to take me to that end result? Even though I don't know how to get there, it's step by step by step. And I start to visualize what my day looks like. Am I moving in that direction or am I way off? Am I just kind of getting lost in making agreements and decisions about things that don't take me where I want? So we start with, again, so this powerful visualization of people do vision boards and all kinds of things. But if you sit and you work and imagine what you want to create, and then you walk towards that way, your life begins to start to take on some really, really interesting connections and things. People talk about the law of attraction and, again, stuff like, ah, does that stuff really work? Well, if our whole body and our minds are in alignment and we're looking at what we want to create, again, everything that we focus on expands and we use the power of visualization. You can create a visualization and even if it hasn't happened yet, your brain already has had that experience. So again, when we come back to athletes and I live out in the Bay Area and the Golden State Warriors are so cool. And Steph Curry, who's a three-point shooter and just kind of watching him and I just know what he has done in terms of his mind and his mental state and how he visualizes. If you watch when people do foul shots, they have routines. This one will bounce it two times or this one will bend their knees. And they do it over and over and over and over and over again. And that creates that neural pathway. So when they're under pressure, they're not thinking. Their body is just taking over. They're allowing the body to do what it does. They know how to focus. They know what their hand does. I mean, it's a whole thing about the neuroscience and which side of the brain is operating and how you quiet down one side and open the other. But this is how visualization works. We create the vision and then we walk into it. So every time I do a workshop or I'm getting ready to do a talk or a lecture, I sit down in the morning and I visualize, what do I want to create? What's the environment that I want to create? What do I want to have happen? And I walk through it step by step by step by step. And then when I'm actually doing it, it's like... You've been there. I've been there. Yep. So when we talk about preparing for 
a big meeting or again, a sales negotiation, taking the time and really doing the preparation will just have you just walk into something that you never even thought was possible before. Tina, I've taken lots of notes. I'm going to summarize them here in a second. But first, before we do that, where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? I have a website. It's called tinagreenbaum.com. How'd you come up with that name? (laughs) Tina, this lesson, I'm titling it Five Practical Steps to an Unstoppable Mindset. And you really over-delivered on this one because we talked about how to manage stress and improve performance, but you went much deeper than that. And it's not just about improving performance. It is really having an unstoppable mindset. And the first step is focus where Tony Robbins talks about where focus goes, energy flows. You were talking about what are we focusing on being self-aware of that. That's number one. Number two, relaxation, the body and mind connection. You gave us the practical breathing exercise Number three, mindfulness, be aware of the moment, be aware of how we're feeling in that moment and being aware of how our body speaks to us. Number four is the belief systems. How do we talk to ourselves? What, as you said, whatever we focus on, it expands. And I love the question that we should ask ourselves, do my thoughts produce something useful for me and take responsibility for our experiences? That's a key thing, especially in these times. And then number five, creating powerful visualizations. So thanks for being on the show. Lots of great lessons in this five-step process. If you go to my website, right to my homepage, there are those five things with five exercises. Oh, beautiful. Even better. Well, then I will do that myself. And I'm sure a lot of best ever listeners will as well. Have a best ever weekend, Tina, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Joe. Take care now. Bye-bye. You want to get better at negotiating real estate? Well, how about, do you want to get better at negotiating real estate for free? Even better, right? Well, go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Fund That Flip, today's sponsor, has partnered with best-selling author Jay Scott to provide you with a free chapter from Jay's new book on negotiating real estate. I've read the book. Lots of good real-world case studies sprinkled in there too. I love it when they do that. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever to download your free copy of the chapter today. Ready to bring your real estate investing dreams to life? Learn how to get focused, gain momentum, and the proven roadmap to make it happen with the Time for Investing Masterclass. Doors for enrollment are now open. Reserve your spot today with Neva at Neva, N-E-V-A at timeforinvesting.com.